Hey, brother. Hello, brother. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 11 of Match Wits. I'm your host, Steve, alongside my younger brother, Chris. Chris, say something. Clever. All I'm right. clever. <laughs> uh, Match Wits is a nostalgia-infused pop culture podcast where we go toe-to-toe on a lot of different topics. I say toe-to-toe. We don't really argue. We're pretty civil in our old age. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> today's uh, that wasn't always the case. Uh, anyways, no. uh, today's episode is all about cars. Um and car movies and kind of car experiences and, and all that. Um, before we get started, I don't know that we're going to cut. There's no car movie spoilers. Cars go fast. So uh, <laughs> you yes. have to do the car, the car yeah. disclaimer. Um, but before we jump into the car movies thing, and again, I think this episode is going to be a little bit more off the cuff, a little more unstructured, which, uh, which is good. Um, uh, and again, not related to cars at all, but we were, Chris and I were about ready to t- t- touch on this before we got on air. I was going to pitch you an idea for a movie I had, um, but I'm going to do it now. All right. So mm-hmm. Chris, Chris, let's, put your, let's hear it. put your movie making hat on. All right. So with it being the first week of, uh, major league or major league baseball, uh, we're both big Indian fans. So that beckons mm-hmm. the, you know, the, and I don't remember what year it is. I didn't look it up. This is not. It was in dollar the bet. Ninth. It was 1986. Dollar uh, bet. Dollar bet. All right. Yep. So That's Major complete, League, the movie completely off the cuff. I Charlie no Sheen uh, and 1989. Oh, I was three years off. Tom yeah. Berenger, Corbin Burdenson. So, anyways, that movie is near and dear to our heart because we are Indians fans, uh, and it came out in '89, and it was interesting. Because the Indians were really bad in the 80s, right? Notoriously they, they, horrible. They, like, they had some ups and downs, but it was, a, it was a revamping of the Indians that was happening. So the movie came out and talked about the Indians being a laughingstock. They were going to move the team. You know, they were going to do the tank thing. The, the woman owner was going to move the team. And mm-hmm. then in, in reality, and even though the, most of that movie was shot in Milwaukee uh, from a baseball perspective, it, you know, the, the team was the Indians. And then right after that, going into 1990, the 1990 season is, I think that's when the Jake opened. Yep. Jacob's or, Field or, opened or it was in like, yeah, it was, or, it was, or, or actually, or they were getting ready to open it. I think they might sure. have even opened in 95 or something. I remember going to the, the old stadium and going to Jacob's Field. Yep. Uh, but anyways, the Indians, after that movie, started to get good. And that was with Albert, you know, Albert Bell and Sandy Alomar Jr. and Roberto Alomar. And, and Carlos Baerga. Yeah, and they made the World Series runs and, and all that. So the, the, mo- it, it was, the movie kind of then catapulted the actual Indians. Or it just happened at the time where the Indians at the were same time. Good. Because that's yeah. when they remember that's when they redesigned the jerseys too. They they yep. changed. From oh, they that. did everything. They did yeah. all sorts of cool stuff. And and you and I both have a replica Ricky Vaughn jerseys. Yes, I wear we mine do. all the time, and it's yes, it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I know you had yours first, so I'll give my, you props. But yeah, my favorite story is that I I went the last time the Indians played the Phillies here in Philly. I I, I went to the game and I was wearing my. Rick Vaughn jersey and I had my hat my Indians hat on backwards and I was standing like in the smoking area having a cigarette and this one drunk Philly fan is just glaring at me it looks like he's gonna bull rush me he's got that kind of shoulder hunch he's he's got the lower Neanderthal glare at me and he walks up to me and he just looks at me straight in the eyes he's like you got a lot of balls wearing that jersey in my stadium and I went really and i turned around and i pointed at the back and it said vaughn number 99 and i turned around and it took him 
a second or two to finally realize what it was. And he goes, oh, I love that movie. And he gave me a big <laughs> hug and he like walked away. And, I was like, yeah. and it's universal. Like, it's one of those ones that you say Rick Vaughn, you say Wild Thing, and that's what people go to. I still think that's probably one of Charlie Sheen's best roles. Oh, easily. Easily. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> Outside of, like, the strung-out drug addict and Ferris Bueller or in Red Dawn, but like, who am I going to put the chase up there? Or am I going to put the <laughs> the arrival? Like, no, right? I'm not going to put any of that up there. So, yeah, and Rick great Ford. cast. I mean, Bob Euchre mm-hmm. and yeah, and well, that interest even Randy so- Quaid, right? Randy Quaid, it's too, it's, it's too high. It's too high. We mean too high. The trajectory was all wrong. <laughs> but that introduced people. Like we knew who Bob Euchre was because of his of his broadcasting days with the actual Indians organization. And Dad loved him. Like Dad was such a big Bob Euchre fan. So we already knew it. But this introduced everybody to to Bob Euchre to the ball four, ball eight, ball twelve. He just walked the, <laughs> walked the bases loaded on twelve straight pitches. Yeah, like that's. <laughs> I can like that's one of those movies memorized, and everyone forgets like the guy that's the the voice of what is it nationwide, Dennis Habert, the guy that was oh the played the president on twenty four was uh, twenty four is yeah. Pedro Serrano, the, the guy that can't hit a curveball yeah but he could hit a, <laughs> he could hit a fastball you know six hundred yeah. feet but he couldn't hit the breaking ball one of it was my a great cast in that movie yeah I mean, was, one of my friends actually has a a replica Jobu statue. That he has on like his nerd shelf. He's got like oh, all nice. his DVDs and stuff. And I remember one time I was like, "Is that Joe Boo?" And he was like, "You're the only person that got it." I was like, "Yeah," because I love <laughs> Wesley Major Snipes League. as Willie yep. Mays Hayes. So, anyways, we could go on about Major League forever. But that made me think, though, where 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 we are with our other Cleveland sports team, not the Cavs, but our other <laughs> Cleveland sports team, the the Browns, is we're on that precipice. We've been the lacking the laughing stock of. NFL for so long yep. that this would be. I know there was that draft day movie where they made. Have it in you Cleveland. watched it? Yeah, it's it's really good. I enjoyed the hell out of draft day. Like, yeah, it's because it's about the Browns, and I can if you take if you take Kevin Costner and just imagine that he's John Dorsey, like it makes a yeah. lot of sense. But well, and now yeah, and the, and the way they was like the the quarterback, they yeah. take the quarterback and they go draft based on character. Okay, so my pitch is you do major league but in football but here's the twist right because everybody can do it like there's been football movies like necessary roughness, necessary roughness. which i was a big fan of necessary roughness, like sinbad and scott bacula scott and Bacula. kathy ireland oh, kathy right? ireland man yeah. who man of the slender is that the, is that the center <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the center do not yep. come with me mr blake he will not touch you yeah exactly so yeah. it was the cast of characters but Necessary roughness wasn't quite to the level. I mean, when you look at Major League, again, Corbin Burnson, Tom Berenger, all of that, and then you had Necessary Roughness. Anyways, the pitch is two guys from Northeast Ohio. They could be brothers. They could be separated <laughs> by seven years. By seven years. They win one of those ridiculous Powerballs at like $1.7 billion. And by right? the Browns when they were laughing, they Buy the Browns and make mm-hmm. them into... Like, make them into a winner. That wouldn't be bad. That'd be hard to do now, just because of the way the franchise... I don't know the way it works anymore with if you're allowed to use... NFL, you know what I mean? Like, the whole any given Sunday thing, 
because Oliver Stone portrayed football in such a negative light, the NFL was like, nah, you're not using any of our trademarks. Right. You're not talking about drug use or CTE or rampant sexual assault. Like, you know, <laughs> right. That's why they had to be called the San Jose Sharks or the right. whatever. The That's why. Like, So doing it now would be tricky. Well, but but they approve draft day, right? I mean, sure. and again, this would be more there's like nothing it, sali- there's nothing salacious in draft day, it's right? And just, I don't think you would put anything salacious in my movie a, called if, "Orange Is the New Something," but it's a parody on "Orange Is the New Black" or whatever. Orange is the and new brown. It, it, orange is the new brown, or something <laughs> like that, or brown out, or whatever, whatever we're going to call it. But it's it's two average to Steve, Joes. Do, do you know, you know what a brown out is? No. Oh, when, that, when the power goes out. Well, that and then it's also it's slang for when you drink too much brown liquor. Like if you drink too much whiskey and you think you fell asleep for a long period of time, you're like, no, you were actually acting like an asshole for two hours before you fell asleep. Like, oh, I browned out. That yeah. was a brown out. All right. That's a brown out. So pe- title pending, but thinking orange is the new sure. something or whatever. And two ordinary Joes win a bunch of money to side to buy the Browns and you can tongue in cheek like the has because the Haslam's or whatever, but the Haslam's are fixing it right. The Browns are gonna be good this year I, and in and, and, and the years going forward, we think. Like unless something I, catastrophic happens, they have they have righted the ship after twenty years. I now would think, be the time you and you have to make this movie in the next like it would have to come out next summer. Yeah, I was gonna say it has to be in production right this second. Right. So it's so done shooting. Somebody uh, listening to this needs to <laughs> we can start a GoFundMe or what Indiegogo and get the and get what we need and, and, and get greenlit. Maybe Netflix, Amazon. Sure. Like we'll we'll start working on a script and we'll have it and it's all gonna be Two dudes that know nothing about running football, <laughs> but have that, but bleed orange and brown yeah. are gonna. You know, we can hire people off of Twitter, like Pete <laughs> Smith or Jake Burns or what, like, yeah. like, hey, you guys are gonna help us in the front office and do talent evaluations. Like, you're gonna do football differently, which is kind of what Cleveland tried to do with the Moneyball Sa- with, with Pete Podesta and yeah. Sashi and all that. And there's things about that that really worked. Sure, tanking wasn't easy, but now look where they're at. So, anyways. That See, would be my. I, that, that's my. That's my movie pitch. My what, no. I'm not you, arguing about the. I'm not arguing about the movie. I think the movie's. Am good. I greenlit? I just don't think we could get it done in time. My my only thing is is I don't believe this has anything to do with the Haslam's. This turnaround. I think this is 100 percent to do with John Dorsey. I think John Dorsey's just one of those football dudes that gets football. Yep. And and they they were smart enough to just be like, all right, John, just go do what you need to do. And he plays the meathead role. He plays the the former player that could probably have some kind of CTE, but he's smarter than everybody in the room, and he's wheeling and dealing. And I don't know. But then, like like I said, Steve, I was talking to one of the, the guys that I always talk football with, and he was just like, so what do you expect? from this season and I said spoken like a true Browns fan and he said yeah I said Baker blows his knee out by week three of the preseason he just looked at me and goes oh that makes a lot of sense I'm like that's just the way my brain works like when we were talking off air last week about how he signed the Charles Bentley like what whatever that was 94 before we lost the team and like we're like oh yeah it's the greatest free agent center in history and we signed him and he blew his knee out on the first snap of training camp first play and then got staff and then never played again in never. professional football or yep. was it who hercules was that willie rofe who was that the guy that got hit with the flag oh or zeus zeus orlando zeus. brown orlando brown like yeah. that's 
people don't understand. There's the, the reason why NFL refs aren't allowed to throw flags at players anymore <laughs> is because of the Cleveland Browns. Was he our guard or our tackle? I forget which. He was our left tackle. Yeah, our left for, tackle. Yeah. And he got a holding penalty, and the ref threw the flag, the beanbag flag, at him, and it went into his, it went into his helmet, hit him in the eye, and what tore his retina. It did or, some uh, yeah it, damage where he was. It took him a while to recover. Yeah, he was, like, and then he jacked. I mean, he was like six seven, yeah, three hundred and twenty pounds, and he he got up in the ref's face, and the ref fell down, or the umpire fell down, and it was a bad scene. But yeah, those are the things that happen in Cleveland. So yeah. when you make this movie, you can allude to all of that, and you have that, and you've got your you've got your quarterback, and I was thinking, you know, I would love Ryan Reynolds, but I, or a Ryan Reynolds type to play. Yeah. Um, uh, Booker Junefield, who would be the quarterback? <laughs> Booker Junefield. Where yeah, you come from? Instead of Baker Mayfield, it's uh, Booker Junefield. Got it. That's very clever. Um, still, still, kind of. Nobody's ever. Nobody's made a joke about our backfield yet in Cleveland with the fact that we have Johnson and Chubb. Johnson I'm, and Chubb. Why is that not a T-shirt? And Hunt. <laughs> do, do we cheat him and how? You, I, I want to point out to any of the listeners, you were against Baker Mayfield last year. Were you not? Before, right after we drafted him, you're like, I don't oh, like him. He's man, I wish small. we would. I, 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 yeah. We'll have to go back to season five and we'll find that podcast. <laughs> the, the, lost, the lost episodes? Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's how uh, everybody was. I loved Baker Mayfield from like when Dorsey uh, first talked about him at the Senior Bowl. And I was like, okay. And then I read an interview about with him about how he talks about accuracy. And do you really think Drew Brees or any other quarterback that's under 6'4 can see over 6'7 offensive linemen? I was like, oh, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I was 100% a proponent for it. And then when they drafted him, I was like, all right, we got our dude. And everyone was like, eh, he's not going to play. And then Hard Knocks was great. And he was kind of captivating. And then came in and blew shit up. And I loved yeah. it. So you could, you know, you could, um, in the movie, right? Our fictional mm-hmm. movie, Orange is the New Brown or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the working title. We've got to get good. this thing greenlit. Anyways, um, I did, that thought of me, I was like, this would be the time for that type of movie because they're becoming America's team. Yep. And, and you could, you could do something fun with it. You could do something that gives, um, honors the fan base of being like rabid blue yeah. collar dudes that, come on to this money and what do they want to do if they want to save their franchise well, and then you, that, you do it people get a bunch of excitement and then they're good and they're good for real just like the indians yeah. in major league so there you i go. told you the story about now everybody's talking about i'm a bandwagon browns fan right like i told you the story about the yeah, yeah. He's like, oh you're a better browns fan for how long since they drafted baker and i just kind of gave him like the the head tilt and then he was like you guys never should have fired belichick and like if you ever say mm. that to a true <laughs> Browns fan and they don't get physically or visibly agitated and like take a deep breath to gather themselves, like I remember I looked at this guy and I did the head tilt and I took a deep breath and I said, Okay, mother effer, you're about to get a goddamn history lesson and I launched into the whole thing and he was, Oh, so you do know your Browns. I was like, Yeah, man. I was like my first some of my first early memories of football are the drive and the fumble. Like those are two, like, I was, what, those are 86, 87, or 87, 88? I was, like, seven or eight years old watching football with, like, you, Dad, and Uncle Pat. Like, those are my early yeah, memories. Yeah. And watching and being so good, like, that team being so good, and then being so close to the the Super Bowl, and then the complete fall off, and then the losing of the team, and 
being right. a dumpster, being so, a dumpster fire for thirty years. So. <laughs> right. So my first memory, again, seven year difference, mm-hmm. was Red Right eighty eight. Okay. So that was the uh, nineteen eighty one. It was the what was it the AFC? It was the AFC divisional playoff game, and it was the one where all they had to do was like kick the field goal or yep. whatever, and. And Brian Sype threw the interception in the end zone. It was against the Raiders, and the Raiders went on to win the Super Bowl, beat the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I remember I was nine, maybe eight, yeah. and I remember crying, like <laughs> watching it on TV on the floor, like crisscross applesauce in the dead of winter in Erie by the fireplace. Yep. And and they were going to win, and I was like, we were like, Dad was excited, we we're all excited. You were what? Uh, Two a, a year. Yeah, yeah, so that's a year. Um, you're probably in a crib or something. Probably. Um, yeah, right. It was the early the 80s. Thumb. I was probably just rolling around <laughs> in lead paint and asbestos at that point. You were eating the windows. Yeah. Dad um, just ashing a cigarette on my head and <laughs> used it as a coaster. Like, it was the 80s, right. man. We're lucky we came out of that alive. But they were, they were going to win. Yes, they were. And then they didn't. And. Well, that- I'm, fine. I'm looking. There's a whole page on Wikipedia about. Well, see, I think we should. Yeah, we need to change the topic because me and you are just going to sit here, and we were originally supposed to talk about car movies, and we've done 15 minutes on Cleveland sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I had to, I had to pitch my idea. I don't know. No. All right, like again, let's, this is a, this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. We're going to be structured right. here. But there's a whole Wikipedia page. Trailing fourteen twelve. I'm going to read this now because you're right. We're all we're all in on Cleveland sports now. <laughs> Trailing fourteen twelve with less than a minute remaining in the game, the Browns had the ball on the Raiders' thirteen yard line and were in a position for a potential game winning field goal. Not tying. It Not was fourteen twelve. <laughs> Browns quarterback Brian Sipe uh, conferred with head coach Sam Ritigliano, who Sam called the pass play. Yeah, he was awesome. Red, he called it red, red slot right, halfback state 88, and instructed Sype to throw um, throw it into Lake Erie, like throw the ball out of bounds. Like they were just running it, like they were killing the clock. Yep. Right? Well, that's... He said throw... I, I've never read this page before. Throw it into Lake Erie, throwing the ball out of play as it was only second down. So they were kind of... I don't think you could spike the ball then, maybe? No, it was considered intentional grounding then. Yeah. They didn't change right. it to like the mid-80s. It, it, and that was if the, if the play was anything less than wide open. On the ensuing play, Sype chose to force a pass to tight end Ozzie Newsom. However, the pass was intercepted in the end zone by Raider safety Mike Davis, who had cut in front of Newsom's square in pass route, putting an end to the Brown season. Yep. Oakland subsequently advanced to the AFC Conference Championship, where they defeated the Chargers and went on to Super Bowl, I, what am I, Roman numerals, 15, yeah, or, and won over the Eagles. So there you <laughs> go. It- was that at home too? Did we host that game? Was that in that was in the municipal stadium, yeah, right? It was Cleveland Brown Stadium. Yeah, Cleveland yeah. Brown Stadium. Well, it was municipal that, stadium. The mistake by that, the lake. That's now in the lake. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they sink municipal stadium into Lake Erie to become a reef, a coral reef? No, I don't think so. No, they Do, they tore they tore it down, and that's kind of where you, the new stadium is. You, okay, I could have sworn that there was at least part of it that because it was so close to the lake, it was actually easier to just push it or blow it up into the lake than it was to actually demo the whole thing. All right. Um, I'm not putting a dollar on that because that just might be one of those stories I've told myself over the years that now hmm. I just think is true. It's like when we told Jen that Plaxico Burris won the Heisman. <laughs> That's my, one of my favorite stories because Jen, no, Jen knows football. Our sister Jen is actually kind of a dude, like knows football and can shoot pool and play darts and stuff like that. But I remember her husband and I uh, decided to 
convince her that Plaxico Burris won the Heisman. So she we're at it like a party, and she's trying to prove her football knowledge. And she goes, "Yeah, like when Plaxico Burris won the Heisman." And, Everybody just stopped and looked at her and said, what? And she just looks over at Mike and I. She goes, you guys are such assholes. And just walks away. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say anything about it okay. falling and making a reef out of it. I don't think That's what I heard. Yeah. yeah, whatever. I went to, I, we went to, isn't that where the Indians played there too, right? Oh, yeah. It, so was like, it, was a, it was a stadium where it was like, it, it, I was think everything. it held. The capacity was... Um, let's see if it's on here in Wikipedia. Uh, it was 80,000, I think. That's pretty big. Uh, baseball, 74,000. Yep. Originally, 78,000, and then 81,000 for football. Okay. Like, that is a massive... That's a big stadium, because like, the biggest <laughs> stadium in the in the league right now, in the NFL right now is Dallas, right? And that's 100,000. That sounds right. I mean, that stadium was so big... And it had those like there would be posts like you could have a seat where you'd be like, all right, yeah, I've got a I've got a I beam right good, in front of good me. Good old I've obstructed got... view. That's yeah. what they were called. They, they got them cheaper. Those are the tickets we got for the the Indians games. Like it was always like I was oh, the yeah. one sitting behind the post because I was the littlest, and I would just be able to sit on Dad's lap. And I remember driving. And again, the fact that that stadium was used for baseball, like no no stadium like. You would have 40,000, 45,000, which is a sellout today yeah. for baseball, right? In that stadium, and it would be it, half full. And it looked empty. It looked the, like there was nobody there whatsoever. And the, and the only time I ever saw it sell out uh-huh. is we would, when I was in college in, in Pennsylvania, we would drive up to Cleveland for the home mm-hmm. opener from IUP up to the Cleveland every year. Like we did it like three years in a row. It was kind of yeah. a tradition. And that would be the, it would, it would sell out on opening day. And then the next day it would be like 50,000 people, which is still yeah. a lot. But it wasn't. You look at it and look like it was empty. And nobody wants to go to a baseball game the first Mm -hmm. week of April in Cleveland because it's cold. It's like it's forty degrees (laughs) with like a fifty mile an hour wind coming off that lake. Yep. And I I remember going there. We went there the one year they were playing the Red Sox. And the one thing, the nice thing about Municipal Stadium was because there was so many seats, like you could just show up and for five bucks. You could just go into the outfield and be like, and, and just sit there and watch baseball. Like yeah, it was I, not expensive because there were so many seats. I remember so, one time that my one of my earliest memories of actually going to an Indians game. We went. I think we saw uh, it was the Rangers, and that's back when the Rangers were really bad. And Dad made us sit in our seats, and like we're the only people in the section. I'm like, Dad, can we move forward, please? And he was like, Well, this is what if they come and ask us? I'm like, Dad, there's nobody around. We could move up, and then we finally moved up to like right on the like right field fence or whatever it was. But I just remember looking around, and it was like it would be like. In a movie, they would slowly pan out. Like, Dad, can we move forward? No, son, we have to sit in our seats. And then it would show, like, for, like, 60 seats in every direction. There was just nobody. I'm like, yeah. can we move up? So, yeah. It, and we the one year we went for opening day, they played the Red Sox. And we sat in the left. This was at Municipal Stadium. Cause we, and I think we went to one year at the Jake. We were able to score um, uh, Jacob's Field opening day tickets. But... By and large, where it was Municipal Stadium because we could get tickets and they weren't super expensive for college kids. We're in left field. The game goes 19, 18 or 19 innings. Yeah. It was crazy. And the fun is, and, and like, it's cold. We got to get, we, we got to get back to, like, we have like a seven hour, six hour drive. Mm. We have class the next day and this game keeps going on. Like, it was essentially like a doubleheader. Like, it just kept going. They went through all the pitchers. I think it was Tomei's. 
like debut with the Indians at third base. Like he uh-huh. just they, he, it was gonna be his first full season in the bigs. Um, and Mike Greenwell, I don't know if you remember Mike Greenwell I, I played for the, for the Red Sox. The Red he Sox. was the he was the left fielder. And the whole, like, we were just, like, messing with him. Because, again, like, everybody wanted the game to be over, right? It was yeah. like, all right, this is, you know, we've drank all the beer. They closed the concession stands down. Like, we're just, we're just, like, because they closed them, like, in the seventh inning. Sure. So it's just a matter of, like, where this game is just going to keep going. And I remember and Mike Greenwell was, he was having, he was cracking up. Like, he was just having a ball because we were, nobody was being mean. Like, we weren't throwing batteries at him. It wasn't Brown's, you know, it wasn't, wasn't Brown's game. Um Everybody was just kind of messing with him, and it was a it was a lot of fun. But I just remember that being like, oh my god, that, that that I remember that Mike Greenwell, and then I remember because again, how big that stadium was. We were way out in left field. Is Mark Witten? You remember Mark Witten? Kind of hard hitting Mark Witten. <laughs> so he played right field for Cleveland, and he he's probably famous because when Blackjack McDowell played for the White Sox, is this when he got in a fight with? Yeah, and he like like he like knocked him cold out like yeah he got beaned he rushed him out blackjack threw down his glove and like went at him like he didn't yeah. back up or anything and and went and took him out and then blackjack kind of playing for the for the indians yeah. um but mark witten hard hitting mark witten he had the most amazing arm i've ever seen and i remember him somebody hit the, kind of, that stadium was so freaking big you hit the ball down the right field line and like you're way like it, it was so big it was way out there sure and he gunned the guy at second base, like not <laughs> not a hop, not anything. He picked it up from the wall, like uh, and, uh, on the foul wall, not maybe the full outfield wall. Sure. And he gunned whoever it was for the Red Sox. Like and <laughs> I was like, I've never seen a throw like that since. The only Indian I remember actually seeing back in that those days was young Joe Carter and Corey Snyder. Mm. Corey Snyder with the he looked like a blonde less talented Don Mattingly. Those are the only ones I remember from early, like the early old municipal days. Like I remember the Biagra years. I remember the Biagra years and stuff like that, but I don't remember those old ones except for Corey Snyder because he had the blonde mullet with the mustache. (laughs) And I like it. 25 minutes on Cleveland sports. We have alienated every fan, like every person that listens to about like for pop culture. They're like, they just talk about Cleveland sports for a half hour. But I love when people try to test me and call me a Fairweather fan or Bandwagon fan. I'm like, no, no. I've I've been miserable every Sunday for 25 years. Like, yeah. Hold on. I'm trying to do research and Art, talk at the Art, same time. Art Modell should rot in hell. Um, that was 16. What, what math are you trying to do? I'm, no, I'm trying to figure out what how long the game was. I don't know. I was in high school, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. I may have still been Holy Rosary at that point. I did like draft day, though. There's someone went back and like recut the trailer, so when he opens the piece of paper and it says whatever his name, whatever Chadwick Boseman's character, and it says no matter what, it says Baker Mayfield, no matter what, and then it cuts and it's John Dorsey just smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's so that both of them, both Dorsey and Baker, are just perfect for Cleveland. Kind I of just people Agreed. like. Did you, did I send you the picture of Dorsey from his playing days? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You texted oh, me. Dude, we need to a, post that six three, like two forty. Played played middle linebacker. The my favorite story about John Dorsey is that whoever the the chairman of the Packers were or was in 
whatever season it was when John Dorsey was a 35 year old scout and it was like his first big job and they're in the, the, the draft meeting and the 35 year old John Dorsey gets up and bangs on the table and says, if you don't draft Terrell Davis, it's going to be the biggest mistake your franchise has ever made. And then the Broncos drafted him and he led him to two Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the, the chairman came back. He's like, I couldn't, he was like at 35 years old to have that keen of an eye for talent is, is unparalleled. He was like, that's the biggest regret that I ever had was letting John Dorsey get away from us. Hmm. I, I like doors. him. I like I everything he's done. I love Meathead. Yeah, I don't want to get too controversial, but I, I I worry a little bit about his willing to look the other way on some character issues, sure. and I hope that doesn't come back. If I if I'm looking for a flaw, sure, it's it's is that going to come back and bite us? Right? Yeah, like Kareem Hunt. Someone asked me about the Kareem Hunt thing, and then I started policing morality. I was like, well, he didn't really kick her as much as shove her with his foot. And I'm like, Ugh. oh, my. As soon as I said that out loud, I'm like, ew, ew, ew. I need to go brush my teeth and take a shower. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. I don't like having those kind of morality conversations about football. Like, it should be football. I shouldn't have to worry about, well, what can the star player do? outside of to, that'll over over overshadow what he can do on the field and i don't like having those conversations so right that's again if i'm looking for anything he i don't, don't understand but i don't think i don't think they went too far i mean you take a talent like josh gordon sure like they draw they drew a line in the sand and they're like all right and they and the fact that they got a third round pick for him and he didn't even he couldn't even play in the super bowl for new england because he relapsed or whatever fifth round pick the fifth round it was a mm. conditional, I it's think. A dollar bet. Yeah. Maybe right. a dollar bet. Josh Gordon trade. It's a conditional pick. Oh, you're right. I was thinking of um Well, the, it doesn't matter who you were thinking of, you were wrong. I was I, right. I know. Give uh, me yeah, my was... dollar back for the stupid major league in nineteen eighty six. God, <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, That's not right. That's not right. The at all. um Oh God. The um Danny Shelton, they got a th they got a third rounder for Danny Shelton. They got for a fifth Danny rounder Shelton. for Josh Gordon. Yeah, they, and there's they talks. There's they talks tendered him too. They tendered uh, Josh Gordon too for like a third round tender. So whatever. who did New England? New England did, even though he's like not on their team or hasn't practiced or played with them or whatever. He's yeah. If he that's what I mean. Like, so when people start start talking about like the Ravens, like I hate the Ravens almost as much as I hate the Steelers, and everyone's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Cause Ozzie Newsom was probably one of the greatest general managers in league history, and he was ours, and they got and Art Modell took him away, and, and Bill Belichick's probably the greatest coach in NFL history, and he was ours, and Art Modell took him away. Hmm. Screw you." That's it. The Steelers are imploding. The Ravens have a quarterback who can't throw. <laughs> True. <laughs> so like that's why it was like everyone's like, "Don't get cocky." I'm like, "Nope." This is exactly the time I'm gonna get cocky because I've been a dumpster fire for 30 years or whatever since we came back in '99. Like we've been horrible every year. This we might be good this year. Might be, but then I said, like, "Baker blows his knee out." Yeah, yeah easy. Let's not jinx right. it, but right. I saw somewhere, and I have to, I have to track it down because it's not in front of me right now. But Ozzy made a made a comment about the the Browns, like what Dorsey's doing, what Freddie's doing at the Browns, and like I think this week, and it was nothing but like glaring, like awesome reviews. And he used like 
you know, we've got ourselves a winner or something. So yeah. he's, he's still, still a brown. Himself. Like, yeah. and, and the thing is, like, there was no job in Cleveland. No. Nobody offered him to stay. No, I like, know. Hey, stay in Cleveland. I don't blame him. There's I no blame team. Art Modell. Oh, of course. I blame Hitler. The Art Modell, the Hitler of professional football. Yeah. Well, and it, there's a whole, yeah. He, Modell did not. Um, he did. He didn't run the franchise all that right. Even no. though he did some good things, but no. you know the the whole Paul Brown thing. <laughs> he ran Paul whole, Brown out of town. The guy yeah. that the Browns are named after. He ran him out of town. Yeah. And then there was the whole. I can't remember what it was called, but you can Google it. Like when they were building um, the oh crap the Gundarina at the time, right? Which, yeah. which is now uh, Quicken. Quicken. Quicken was. And they were building the Jake. They're like we. Part of that initiative was like, hey, we'll if you want to go in, we'll we'll help get funding and we'll put it together. Now, a model would have to sign a new contract, whatever, and build a new Brown Stadium. And he's like, now nah, I'm good with the stadium we have. Revenues aren't at risk. Yep. Go, you guys go ahead and build your basketball arena and your baseball stadium. We'll stick. We'll stand pat with the what we have. And all of a sudden, revenue started to tank and everything, and he was forced to move the team. Yeah, because so. he was a crappy businessman, a terrible person, and the worst dude in Cleveland sports history. Exactly. <laughs> yep. No, I mean, there's def- you've, you've summed it up. There is no, there's nothing else to say about Art Modell uh, unless you're in, unless you're in, you know, a Ravens fan. Yeah. But it also allowed me to be subjective or objective about sports in general because I didn't have a team to really root for. So I could just kind of watch it as a passive observer so I could think about it more critically. And now the Browns are good, so now I watched a bunch of other teams, too. Like, basketball, I've never been. Like, I was a Cavs fan growing up. I love Mark Price, but they were garbage then, too. Well, not garbage until, like, the early 90s. But they were never really good. I was always mercenary when it came to basketball, but I was always an Indians and a Browns fan. Browns fans I, first. I was the same. I was – because we weren't – I wasn't a huge pro basketball fan, um, and but I was – I, arguably, I was a Celtics fan. Yeah, because, I, and, and, and because he, of Bird, basketball because, is one of those ones you 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 associate with players. It's like people have loyalties to teams, but because there's only five people on the court, and that one of those five players can make such a huge influence on the game, that it's more of an individual sport than any of the other sports. There's less people on the court. There's you know what I mean, like. Football, there's 11 people on the field at any point in time. And one right. person, the quarterback is usually important, but not the same level as like a LeBron. So you, right. you, you gravitated towards players. I was a huge Larry Bird fan until he retired. That's mm-hmm. why I was a Celtics fan. And then after he retired, I was a huge John Starks fan for some reason. So I followed the Knicks. <laughs> and then yeah. I, was, I was a Bulls fan because I love Jordan and stuff. But I was yeah. always rooting for the Cavs, but they were always mediocre so it wasn't one of those ones that i was super passionate about not nearly the same way i am as the browns or the indians so now i'm the same way and i think the the part of the issue was when i was growing up like basketball didn't have the coverage no and nor was was our father super into pro basketball or even college basketball so you didn't have it. We had like the only exposure we had was like the like su- Sunday afternoons, the wide wide world of sports, or whatever if they would or wherever they would play basketball. But it wasn't very often, right? Yeah. And if it was if it was during the eighties, they're playing the Celtics. Yep. Or they're playing the Bulls, right? And that they weren't paying the Cavs, like you know. No. Steve. And, and you didn't know who the play- the players were. 
Look, look it up. I think up until I think it was 1990, the NBA playoffs were on a tape delay. I, I oh, do, really? like yeah, like it wasn't even live. Like it was like they would it would air like two hours after it was over. I forget what year that they finally changed it, but I was watching like a the history of basketball, or it was maybe it was the Bad Boys, the the one about the Pistons or something. Like, but it was still. It was still broadcast on like a tape delay until like the late or the late eighties, I think. That might be one of those ones that's gonna be hard to look up exactly, but yeah, I remember I hearing it and I was like, wow, that's and especially because it's the global phenomenon it's turned into. Like people don't understand there was a time where basketball was kind of like it was third, fourth. Hockey may have even been oh, more yeah. popular yeah. Than, than basketball at the time, and now basketball I don't think any, in, especially in the states, I don't think anything is going to catch football. But basketball's coming close, like globally. It's it's getting close yep. to soccer. I would assume, like it's massive in China, it's massive in in Italy and Spain and stuff. Now, where in the eighties it wasn't. That's why the dream team could just walk in and just waltz all over everybody <laughs> by fifty right. points in the eighty eight Olympic or the ninety two Olympics because it wasn't the market that it is now but then dream team comes in and just stomps these global superpowers <laughs> and then they're like all right we need to get our crap together and then they start putting out like Dirk Nowitzki and you get the rise of the international player which kind of levels the playing field a little bit but right well and then you what you had is you had Europe your Europe, European pros playing you know US college kids right and they were starting to lose and we're like all right we'll, we'll throw our pros in there <laughs> And it's not. Well, it's not even wasn't that even too. Fa- like, wasn't even fair that '92 team. Like, it was. If you took the top fifty basketball players of all time, like twelve of them were on that team. <laughs> like, like, you're talking about if you're naming the top ten players of all time, there's three immediately in that starting five. Like Bird, Jordan, and Magic were probably some of the great. Like of all time. So you have three of them and then you throw in Barkley and Ewing and David Robinson and Scottie Pippen and these players that would be the greatest players in those countries' histories and they're wait, wait. Clyde Drexler, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Chris Mullen, Barkley, Magic Johnson, um the only one in here that doesn't belong uh, it's Christian um, Leitner. Yeah. It's Christian Leitner. The the story of John Stockton walking down. Do you remember what is it? La Rumba in Barcelona. Remember where we stayed when we went to to Europe? We were stayed right on La Rumba. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Square. There's a there's a scene of or they there's a thirty for thirty about the dream team and they're talking about John Stockton is walking like fifteen feet behind Barkley and Barkley's got like seventy people around him and no one even knows who John Stockton is and he's wearing a t shirt that has a picture of all of the players on. It. So he has this picture of himself <laughs> on his T-shirt, and all these people were like walking up to him, like, "Oh, are you like the ball boy? Are you the team medic?" And he was like, "No, I I play. I'm, I'm pretty good too." And he like points to his shirt, and they're like, "Oh, that's nice." And then they walk off and talk to Magic and Barkley and <laughs> and Jordan, uh, John Stockton, because he's just he's what six foot. He's like my size, and he looks he looks like a gym coach. He looks, he looks like, like a dad. Yeah, super super short shorts and. Awkward fitting, like knee high white socks, but so good. I'm looking at their. I'm looking at the results. Holy crap! Like, their average margin of victory, I think, was like forty, thirty-eight, forty-two points. They were unreal. Yeah, that was, I mean, just, it was they huge. just they, wiped the floor. Like it was nobody. A, what a, 
after every game, people, when they were shaking hands, would ask for autographs. <laughs> like, as they're going, like, after the game just immediately over and they just lost by 40 points, like, they're walking and, like, they have autograph books. Here, can you sign this as we're walking off the court? They were so good. But that was, you have to realize, that was when I was 92. I was 13. So that was that was the height that was of the my, yeah. that was basketball. That was every day after school. I went to the Y by myself for two hours and did my Pistol Pete my pistol feet drills that I used to mm-hmm. do in the basement downstairs because we had a concrete floor. Yeah. That was the only thing I think mom ever bought me off of like a, a, a TV commercial that we called the 1-800 number. It was the, the three, the three VHS tape, pistol Pete, Maravich mm-hmm. ball, ball handling and passing drills. I did those. Who coached every... the dream team? Chuck Daly. What? what uh, Dollar bet. And Leitner made it over Shaquille O'Neal? College player. Yeah. Leitner was the bet. Leitner was way better than Shaq was in college. Like, Shaq didn't become Shaq until he got until he got to the pros. And even then, it wasn't until a little bit later. Like, Leitner was... Look at his stats in at Duke. It was like four years, four Final Fours, two national titles three player of the year awards like later is probably one of the greatest college basketball players of all time he just right. he, he flamed out when he got to the pros because he wasn't right. he wasn't surrounded by four other really really good players that <laughs> right took away from who yep. he was chuck daly and then uh coach k yep lenny wilkins and pj Car- carlissimo <laughs> pj carlissimo wasn't even fair no not fair all right now we did 40 minutes on sports. Yeah. So, well, then we're just going to ride this one out then. And, okay. again, this was completely improv, which is cool. Um, wh- so I, I got to ask you then. So we haven't ever talked about this. And, again, I, I, I want to talk about the Cavs a little bit, right? We talked about kind of our basketball alliances are not the same. Like, sure. I, die, die hard Indians, die hard Browns. Yep. But li- like the Cavs, support them. But, again, growing up, that just wasn't. Again, it was a different. It was a different time. We didn't quite have the the same loyalty to the Cavs as we did to sure. to the other two teams. Now, I will say when LeBron came back, and and again, I hadn't really watched pro basketball since college. When again, that's a lot of that was like that was this, the, the last wave of Bird in the in that team, right? Which yep. was John Bagley playing point guard and Reggie Lewis and all those guys. That was like the last time I watched pro basketball until LeBron went back to Cleveland. Yeah. And I thought that was I just I, I thought that was a cool thing to do, right? When like I, he left, went to Miami, went to, went to championships. You're like, all right, that's it. Like Cleveland was just a, that 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 whole thing of him growing up an Ohio kid and you know straight out of Akron and and and, and getting drafted number one overall was a cool story. But I thought that's where it was going to end. And then the fact that he went back and the fact that he went back and said, I have unfinished business. I owe yeah. this, I owe this town a championship. That's what Cleveland sports are about. Like that's what it's like to be a Browns fan and you endure 20 years of just being awful or you're an Indian fan that comes, you know, within and out twice of winning the world series once against the Cubs, once against the, the Marlins, yeah. um, you know, and you have to endure that. And, and LeBron got it right. So when he came back, I was like, all right, I'm in on this. Like I, I can get behind this. And for some reason, I just remember watching the, the 16 finals. Like, I don't know that I watched many of the regular season, but I watched the 16 finals and man, that felt good. Like that yep. was just an entertaining 
finals. Like you had that, you had that uh, Golden State team that was so good, but you had LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love, and like, and and it was just something about that team and the being down three to one mm-hmm. and coming back and and winning the way they did and winning at home and and the whole nine yards. It was just and the, hey, Cleveland, this is for you. Yeah, that that whole thing. And well, I have, I, lo- I have a very very. <laughs> I have a weird opinion about LeBron. Like I loved him when he was there. I love that he mm-hmm. came back and stuff, but I've never particularly liked the way he plays the game of basketball. I know that sounds weird because he's such a well-rounded, he's such a crybaby. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Like you're bigger and stronger and faster than everybody. Like, yeah, you're going to get beat up. Like they, they allow you to dish out as much as you're getting hit. So I've always, he gives up on plays and like the, the the chase down blocks are great in highlights, but you were out of position in the first place because you were complaining about a call. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, I, right. I know that that's just me being like I played ball. Like that was my sport for a long period of time. So I watch it. It's like when I watch movies, I watch it a little bit different than most people do. Like I'm a little bit more critical about things. I'm watching how people move without the ball, and and you just watch and his his mannerisms beset that of like a like a spoiled kid and I, mm-hmm. I never liked it and even when he went to Miami and I'm not saying anything from his physical skill like he is one of the most talented skilled players that I've ever seen like the 6'8 260 pound monster that can that can handle the rock I, he can never be the best player in the world because he can't shoot free throws he can't. Mm. He's, like, he's like a career 70% free throw shooter where Michael Jordan was like a career 88%, I think it was. Like you're leaving points on the board every time you go 7 for 12 from the line. Like I, it's just, So I nitpick with him. But when he came back, Steve, that, you're right. That run was was magical. And I remember being glued to that every every day or every finals game like from start to finish like watching even the losses but i've never like the argument to me of of who's better jordan or or lebron has never been a question to me it's always been jordan simply due to people forget that jordan was one of the best defensive players in the league too because he came out and he set he was setting scoring titles and they're like well you don't play any defense and he was like michael jordan Okay, I don't play any defense. He came out and made defensive. <laughs> I'll show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I'll, I'll, you don't think I have all I am is athleticism. All I'm doing is dunking over people. I'm going to develop one of the most undefensible or indefensible turnaround jumpers in the history of the game. Like right. he, he developed a post game where you would shoot these fadeaways. You had no chance of ever getting it. LeBron's never done that for me. Like he's never. It never felt like he improved his outside shot. It never looked like he changed or learned a new skill set. It's always been the same. I know that's weird. And I know that just makes me such a fickle fan. But like that's why no. I, like, I prefer no. skill players over gift. You know what I mean? Like I've always been more Steve Nash and Steph Curry than mm-hmm. – the bigger like Shaq and the bigger guys that are just bigger and right. stronger than everybody. Like you didn't work that hard, Shaq. You could have learned how to shoot free throws. It's not that hard. Like just go and shoot over and I, I know that's me being someone who never played professional basketball ever. So Right. eighty three percent. Who Jordan? Free okay. throw for his career. Okay. That includes the Washington stint. Okay. That's not that wasn't him. That was his cousin Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what I always tell people. They're like, well, do you have to forget or you have to remember he did go and play to Washington for a while. It's like, now nah, yeah. he was actually retired then, and that was just his cousin Jeff yeah. that looks just like him. No, yeah, that doesn't but he's, count. he never no. was above 85. Who? Yeah. Jordan. 85%. Look at his playoffs. You're looking at yearly ones. Look at his playoff percentage. Look at his playoff numbers. Um, his career playoff is 82%. Okay. Throw. What, what's LeBron's? I don't know. 72? 70? LeBron career stats. Never. Like, and, and you go back and look at Jordan's numbers, too. Like, always outscored LeBron. Was negligible difference in assists and, re, or assists and rebounds. Like, people forget that Jordan used to love the rebound. Jordan averaged, like, six rebounds a game for, like, in his prime. And then right. a couple... LeBron st- is 73% free okay. throw for the career. And then the playoffs is... A little bit higher at seventy four percent. Okay, so you're talking about uh, over over the course yeah. of a hundred free throws, you're talking about nine of them. Yep, his three point percentage three point two compared to Jordan was like right around the same. Yeah, Jordan wasn't that great of a three point shooter. Three. Jordan was a little like point higher in, in the playoffs. Yeah, it's just no regular argument. It's just not an argument five. for me. Yeah. It's just not, and that people try to goad me into the argument. And it's just, it's all personal. Like it's, I just, I remember Jordan being unstoppable. Yeah. yeah. So, so going back to Le, Le, LeBron then, right? Sorry. And just like I watched every game, almost every game last year, or I followed it online because Maya had softball, so I've been watching sure. it. And in the playoff, like when they came back, was it against Indiana? Yep. And they came back and made like the game winning shot and then everything. And I even watched like I, I remember like tuning in and the, the the game against where they they made it, you know, they fought their way with a team that was undergunned and undermanned. Like LeBron put them on their back and went and and you know after the whole thing with um, was it Isaiah Thomas and um, that that whole thing with Ky- when Kyrie left in that trade, Isaiah didn't really take, and he had that bad hip, and yep. they traded people around. They got Larry Nance Jr., which I thought was, I, I like him as a player, yeah, <laughs> because of his of his dad and his ties to Cleveland that. and all that, and and they got Jordan Clarkson, but they like they revamped the whole roster midseason, and LeBron takes them. He scores fifty points, and they're putting it to Golden State in Game One of the Finals, and I was like, this is it, this is magic, this is a guy putting a team on his back, and then they blow it. Yep. Right, misses whoever it was. Um, J.R. Smith. It was the is well. J.R. Smith blew it, but the guy, um, the the point guard that they picked up, the the the, the guy who missed a free throw. What Rodney Hood? No, no, the other guy. Um, Crap. Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood. No, no, no. He no, he was a veteran, and he, he I think he came from Sacramento. Um, I think he's in Denver now. Uh, um. I don't recall. I remember watching. We were in Montreal for someone's bachelor party, maybe Benny's, maybe Benny's bachelor party, and I was watching it, and it was all of these recent NBA fans, and they're all wearing their Gold State Warrior stuff. Like, we're in Montreal in Canada, and there's all these people in this bar that we're in, and I'm the only person rooting for the Cavs. So, like, as soon as that, whatever, I think it was the the game I remember watching at the bar is when J.R. Smith just let the clock run out and didn't either call a timeout or shoot that three and ended up losing in overtime. I think that was, but me against 25 
25 gold state warriors fans telling me how fair weather i was and you don't really know <laughs> right. basketball and i was like oh god i just want to strangle all you french fucks it was it was george hill george hill yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he missed a free throw. And yeah. but anyways, the whole the whole point of that is like if they would have won that game, like that would I think there was so much confidence. Sure. Now, could they beat the Warriors? No. I don't know. But would the Warriors have been back on their heels? Like, it would have sure. been interesting to see how that played out because yep. they beat teams that were better than them to get to the finals. Like the fact that they made the finals for whatever year it was in a row, four years yeah. in a row, and he's been there for eight years in a row, whatever. But the fact that they made it there and with a team that was like cobbled together, yeah. I, I thought was amazing. And then like, ultimately they, they lost the game because of mental errors and it went downhill. And then I really wanted him to stay. Like I, I thought that would have been like, all right, you want, he wants to play with his son, right? I think that's one of his goals is to play with Bronny and, and do all that. I was like, like, that's a do that. Like, keep your, keep your promises to, to Ohio, which he has. Like I'm not he knocking did. him like yeah. that. Is the I Promise School and in, in, in Akron and all the stuff he's done? Like, yeah. I don't think there's a player that has done more for for a Cleveland community than LeBron. And sure. he didn't abandon. He just was like, "Hey, my next chapter, like my biz, like my life after basketball, is going to yeah. be in Hollywood, and it's going to be where all my business and and quite frankly, I, I want to be in L.A. Like, who wouldn't want to move from Akron to L.A. Right. right. He wants to be a Hollywood producer, Steve. And like, he actually yeah. is kind of talented. Like he was funny in what was the Amy Schumer one where he was in? Is that wrecked or train wreck? The one with oh, her Bill Hader. He's in it. And he's like a, he's a big part of it. It play, he plays Bill Hader's like number one client or whatever. So he's in mm. it a ton and his timing is good. Like he has actually really, really good comedic timing. His delivery solid. Like he still needs a little bit of work, but he clearly has natural aptitude for it, right. and but that's what his next thing. He wants to be a big Hollywood producer and take all of that money he made in basketball and turn it into even more money as a, a successful producer. So I can't knock him for that. I, I, I don't either. And no. so, Steve, we left. We left our crappy hometown. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I, how, I am I, how am I going to fault anybody for it. leaving their hometown? Like, yeah, Cleveland's a great place, but it's not L.A. And I don't care what you say. Like, it's not. I don't even really like L.A. I think L.A. is very, very fake. I, I like East Coast stuff. I like pissed off people all the time. I don't need. Mm. Ha I don't need happy people all the time. I don't need compliments in nice weather. Like, I like. I like the East Coast. I like right. angry people. My people. I hear you. I was just, I was in Raleigh. This, you know, I haven't been in Raleigh since I lived there. I was in Raleigh yeah. last week and holy crap, I forgot. Like there's so many Yankees down there. Like yeah. the driving is crazy because the driving out here is nuts, but everybody's so laid back out here. Like Washington yeah. state weed's legal and everybody's yeah, like, exactly. Hey, and, and, and then I go to Raleigh and I forgot like people will ride your ass, cut yeah. you off, flip you off. Like I was like, Oh, right. I forgot. That's right. Survival and you think fittest. of it as the South, but it's really Raleigh's not really. It's the South, but there's so Close. many Yankees in there that yeah. it's, it might as well be like Jersey. Uh, All right, Jersey. So back to LeBron. <laughs> and this is how, no, this is how. This is how I want to wrap up. Right? Um, is he did like he he went he left and like Cleveland, like it was it was like it happened again. Like it yeah. was like it happened the first time. It, it was awful. And then he comes back wins the championship. Then he leaves again, right? And it felt like it was okay this time that he left. It was sure. it's not great. Like he, like again, I wish he would have stayed, played it out. Like 
I don't know, just, just do whatever. And then he goes to the Lakers, right? And they're going to like, all right, they're going to do another Miami, right? Because you need you need three all-star yeah. top, you know, top 20 talents like Golden State, like Houston, whatever, to compete, right. right? And when Kyrie left, they didn't have that in Cleveland. So he leaves, and he doesn't play well. He gets injured, and the team doesn't even make the playoffs. They, like, they sat him. Like, this is the first time he's going to play. I think he only played 53 games this season. Yeah. Like After playing every game and playing crazy minutes last year. Yeah. Like, crazy minutes. Yeah, like 40 minutes a game for, like, a 30, how, however old he is, 36, yeah. it was 35. Cra- it was crazy last year how many minutes he played. Like, he pl- like it, they were riding him so bad. And he did, I, I thought he was going to get hurt last year, right? But anyways, so now now he's he, – they didn't make the playoffs. LA's not doing great. Like – I don't even. I don't know. I don't know what you have to do to make that a championship caliber team. But Le, like LeBron's not going to be the best person on that team, right? No. The, the, where he is in his career and all that. Like, I don't like. Like, part of me was like, well, that's kind of what was going to happen. Yeah. Like, so his best years were in Cleveland. So great, we got a championship out of it. Great, but uh, part it, of me is like, all right, that. That's, uh, part of me is like, yeah, I feel good that it's like it's not going well. But part of me is like. Ugh. I wish it, I wish it would have gone well. Like I wish I, w- I wish him well. Like I have nothing against him. I have nothing against him, but it, whatever. I I kind of smiled a little bit when they didn't make the playoffs and got shut down. I'm like, okay, I hope your producing career goes well. Like right. it, it just to me, it, I don't know. It, it, that's coming from a weird place as being a Cleveland loyalist is right. How do I how do I justify the actions? to the career and the fact that he got that title and the fact that he he pretty much cared. I mean yeah Kyrie hit a couple big shots Kevin Love had some big shots but he carried that team like he was he played he played bell whistle the whistle he played all whatever 48 minutes like every game like looked like he was just falling apart and put everything on the line so I can't knock him for that but he left yeah and yeah. and and they came and they came Back from three down, or mm-hmm. from down three games three, to one, one against yeah. that Golden State team. Now without Kevin Durant, but that team was still really freaking good. Yeah. Did you did you watch the thirty for thirty called Believe Land that they had to go back and re-edit because it they completed it right before that playoff run, so it was all the whole the whole tone of that the the thirty for thirty documentary about Cleveland sports was how we were constantly losing. And then so they had to re-edit it, and they did about the run that LeBron went on, and they showed the, whatever, the 4.6 million people that showed up for the championship parade. party. Yeah, like they showed that, and it was just all about how there's a a renewed sense of hope, and then then he left again. (laughs) <laughs> whatever right. it was i, but, I tell but, people but again that. i don't i don't i don't fault him i no. understand why i did it no. but i'm also him. kind of i don't want to say happy but i'm just like that's it it, it yeah. doesn't always go everybody assumed that he was just going to go to la and he was going to manufacture a championship so yeah. he finishes with more championships than katie or whoever yeah. and it, it, it that's a steep hill to climb right now for him right? sure. the, the team is not good even if they go out and land even if they get like Kevin Durant, or even if they go yeah. out and get whoever, like they need more around. You need three at least. And yeah. again, Le- LeBron's hitting. I don't know how old is he, but he's. It's not. He's, it's not necessarily the years. It's the miles. Like he could be. He could be like thirty-four for all I know. But he's played in the league since he was eighteen. So you're talking about a sixteen-year career. So like it doesn't really matter if you're only 
in your mid thirties. It's the, the the amount of hours and tread or and wear on those legs. Yeah, he's thirty four. And then his back, he's having problems with his back. And once that starts happening, once those core issues, once you start turning into bird, laying down on, on the end of the bench to, to keep your back from tightening up, like, all right, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the problem. Well, and he's got a gro- like that groin thing that he had this year. That's, yeah. uh, that's going to go away. So anyways, you know, uh, the, the, the way this all wraps up for me is, it was painful to see LeBron leave because, again, you're hoping – you're just hoping that the story plays out. Like, he's going to ride his career out. His minutes are going to go down. He's going to bring other people in. That franchise is going to be stable, and he's going to you know, someday play with his son, and then he'll retire, and he'll go out, and it'll be like – he had that little period where he went to Miami, but he was a calf. Yeah. Right? Now he's a Laker, but, I mean, who knows where this is all going. Like, you know, people talk about trading him or whatever, like – it's it's unfortunate it happens, but the good news is the Browns are going to be freaking awesome. We have the Browns, <sighs> and you know, a month ago I was like, "That's okay, we don't have LeBron, but we have Baker." Yeah, but now it's not. Oh, it's okay, we don't have LeBron, we have Baker. We have Baker, OBJ, <laughs> Juice Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Duke Johnson, David Njoku, Sheldon Richardson, Miles Garrett. Like, we're good. We're loaded. I don't care what, like, that's, it's so weird to hear national pundits on NFL Network or ESPN talk about how good we are. You know, it's usually just like, oh, they made some nice moves in the offseason, but now we're talking. Like, that offense is lethal. Lethal. Like, even if, if Baker only shows, like, maybe he has a sophomore slump, I don't think it's going to change all that much. Like, he set the passing record, the rookie passing record in 13 <laughs> games or yep. whatever it was, 10 games. Whatever. When did he start? I'm going to be real, real interested to see what happens with OBJ when he doesn't have to make one-handed catches because everything hits him in the hands. Yeah, <laughs> like, hits him in the chest. <laughs> right? He doesn't like, have to do a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he doesn't have to jump and like splay out and get. I mean, Baker will use that to his advantage, knowing that he can catch those balls. He'll just be like, "All right, I'm mm-hmm. going to throw it up here, and he's going to catch it." Dude, like, this is literally I've never felt this way about a football season ever. Like I've I've caught myself getting caught caught in the false hope like when we drafted Manzel and you know what I mean like I yeah, talk myself yeah, yeah. into these moves or Brady on, Quinn or like, Brady hey, Quinn we, we tried to up Brady Quinn it was good value it's a quarterback at 22 that he's supposed to be first round and, and then he flames out but there's just something about this season like it can't come fast enough like I get up every day and I read I read the Browns blogs I read Dogs by Nature and I do all those like, I just to see what else happened man like I'm excited and Oh, I know. I'm at, we're in the off season. I listen to all the Browns podcasts, like yep. surviving the season with the two brothers. That's yep. kind of what gave me the idea for this podcast. <laughs> um, and I listen to Jake Burns doing the, the Browns film breakdown mm-hmm. and all that. And and this is a weird off season. We're not talking about the draft. We're not talking about drafting a quarterback. Which I, no. this is when I got into it last year. Was all the all those podcasts were talking about. Is it Sam Darnold? Is yep. it Josh Rosen? Is it Baker Mayfield? And and those guys brought me around on Baker Mayfield. So mm-hmm. I was like, a, uh, I'm not crazy about him, but he's uh, he's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I waited to buy my Baker Mayfield jersey until he got his first start, and it was right after the because mm-hmm. I bought the Color Rush jersey, like the exact jersey from mm-hmm. the Jets game. When he when he came in and they came back and won, because a lot of my friends in this area, or at least a few of the guys from work, are all Jets fans, so we were texting back and forth. And then Baker came in and won the game, and then from that point forward, like every place I walked into, because I literally I live in Philadelphia or near Philadelphia, and every there, 
there's no Browns fans, really. So I'm the only Browns fan that anybody knows at any of these places that I go to. So they all wait to talk to me. So like when the Odell in the Beckham trade happened, my phone just blew up. For, and it was mm-hmm. like 10, 10 o'clock at night to like 1130. It was just people randomly texting me like, wow, you guys are really good. And it's just, it feels weird. But it's I, funny. So last year, so living in Seattle, Blue Friday is a real thing, right? Number 12, that mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks fans, that's a real thing out here. Like they take their football very seriously and oh. I love to see it. Um, so everybody wears their jerseys to work on Friday, right? So we got a new neighbor and I got out of my car and he, him and his wife were there and he starts laughing. I forgot I was wearing my Miles Garrett jersey. He's <laughs> like, you're a Brown fan? This was like last August, yeah. September, like the season had barely started. And they were, you know, and, and he started laughing. He's like, I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Browns fan. Now it's not so funny, right? I think they're, they've gone in, in a year. Like the, the expect, expectations are really high for this year. But, um, you know, we're, I think we've got, we've got the talent now. It just got to translate it in the wins. Yep. I think we have a coach too. I love Freddie Kitchens. Uh, I do. Yeah. Like we were talking about it before we even started about him and that picture with all the other thirty-two or thirty-one head coaches, and he's the only one that shirts not tucked in. He's wearing like a Tommy Bahama shirt, and then yep. the brownie the elf hat on forward, and he's the yep. only person in the entire picture that has a hat on. Right, but he he right. makes sense. If you don't wear orange and brown, then I don't care. Or you, yeah. have, or you don't matter. You don't, you don't matter. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't wear the orange and brown, you don't matter. And then just the 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 the, the, the shot of him or the re, or the highlight of him when he walked over to Baker after Baker just threw like a really good touchdown, and he just scratches his chin like a puppy, and then just walks away. <laughs> and Baker just laughs and he just turns and goes, "That guy's an idiot." Like I love the dynamic between the two of them because Freddie played quarterback at Alabama it's not like he played at like a division three right you know, under somebody that or he was like, a three-year starter a three-year starter at Alabama like Alabama wasn't Alabama that it is now but no it, was it wasn't Al- Nick Saban's Alabama but it was still Alabama it was still a top 25 30 program in the country and he played yep. for three years and he understands and he's got he's got that kind of I mean Freddie's a redneck man he's yep. from Alabama so he can He's really big, right by Oklahoma, where Baker's from. So, and yeah. did you send me the? I think I, I think I got it from you that video, the Browns hype video. No, 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 the the, the video right as as like it was during the season, but before Freddie was announced, and it was like uh, it was about Freddie Kitchens and about his health issue, and um, it, like in, they interviewed Carson Palmer. Did I send you that? I guess not. I should send it to you then. <laughs> it, so it, the listeners out there, I'll, I'll I'll post it on Twitter. It's it's awesome. Like you like before we hired him. Like when I saw that video, I was like, "That's the dude, mm-hmm. right?" He's passionate about Cleveland. He kind of grew up a Brown fan, even though he wasn't from Cleveland. He just yep. there was something about the Browns that he liked. He wears the dog pound sweatshirt, but Carson Palmer, like you know, he was his quarterback coach and and offensive assistant or whatever. In Arizona, Carson in Arizona, yep. and and Carson Palmer tells his story about you know Freddie would show up at his house like dressed as Santa Claus in like an authentic Santa Claus suit and give presents out to Carson Palmer's kids <laughs> and, and tell like just how how nice of a guy and genuine authentic. Yep. human being he was and he was just like 
Carson Palmer was like, I, there's nobody I respect more than, than Freddie Kitchens. And they had interviews with other people, and they talked about this health scare. I'm ruining the video for everybody. Just watch it because I'm not, probably not doing it justice. <laughs> but he had this – he had like a like a heart thing, and they had to helicopter him. Like he was having shortness of breath or whatever. He passed out. And they're like, holy crap. The trainer's like, he's having like, like – I don't know, the heart attack or having something. And goes in the – helicopter and they go to take him to the hospital and he's like my kids have always wanted to ride in a helicopter so he's taking pictures <laughs> while he's on the gurney of the helicopter so he can send them to his kids because they always wanted to know what it was like to ride in a helicopter oh, that's funny that's i was like true. good good dude and like one of those things is like the more people they interviewed like like that just that have worked with him i've coached mm -hmm. with him coached around him or played uh, as a player under him when he was a coach. Love him. Love him. It's the same like, thing that people say about him. Baker. Like, yeah, like there's just something about that people just gravitate to their personality because they're genuine. Like yep. that's, I, I like that about Baker. Like that's what they, they, I think Dorsey referred to him as the Pied Piper of football. It was just like. He yeah, that was that last year at like the combine or whatever. Right, yep. yeah. It was just something that people love to play for him. Like you see him go up and he, every time, like there's a touchdown, he goes up and he, he tops all of his offensive linemen. And but the, I was always trying to explain to people, everybody watched Hard Knocks, or at least people at HBO watched the Hard Knocks about the Browns. And I think it did a good a good job of showing that we weren't a complete dumpster fire at the the way we were being projected well, like Hugh Jackson comes across like a a, a total douche in that yeah, but yeah. the very beginning of Steve you watched it the very beginning when him and when Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley started having problems it was because the assistant coach voiced his voiced his opinion about players sitting out too much that <laughs> it was, was Fred it was Freddie Kitchens, Kitchens. It was, <laughs> right. that's what everyone was like oh my god I remember that I was like do you like you remember the scene where it was like the first power that power struggle between yep. a head coach and offensive coordinator and they're like yeah I remember it I was like do you remember the one assistant coach that started the whole thing by saying I don't think these players should be sitting we only have a limited amount of reps we need to get them out there and then everyone's like, yeah, I remember that. I was like, that's Freddie Kitchens. And they're like, no way. And I was like, yes, that was Freddie. He was the running back coach at that point in time, I think. And and now that's the dude that's our head coach. And I'm like, oh, yep. okay. Because he demands accountability from everybody. And that's yep. what I like. Yay. Yep. So a lot to be excited about yeah. going into to next season for for the Browns. I'm, I'm, I can't wait. Again, I, I listen to these wait. podcasts. I get all, get all, get all spun up and then we have to wait till the summer, but they're yeah. doing, they're doing workouts this week. I think they're going to announce that OBJ is going to have his yeah. press conference. So it'll be good. Mm. All right. So you want to move on to cars? <laughs> yeah. You want to do another hour on cars? <laughs> so we will, uh, we'll do that next time. Uh, cause I've got some, I've got some car stories, but we're not doing on this one. So, yeah. uh, but that's the that's the beauty of this format, right? Like we we, we would talk about maybe doing this completely unprepared. We talked for an hour, and hopefully some good good yeah. info for listeners out there that aren't from uh, northeastern Ohio or northwestern Pennsylvania uh, that didn't grow up Browns and. and uh, Cavs and fans. <laughs> yeah, I want anybody that listens all the way through to the end, like realize that we didn't have any notes. Like this is all just <laughs> from the top of our head. Like I have notes about car movies, but I don't have like yeah. we usually do. You decide or tell me the topic on like Wednesday. It gives me a few days to at least prep, do some research, tell some stories and stuff like that. But like I had my friends were in from out of town, so like I didn't even get a chance to really research the car movie stuff as much as i would like so i didn't either i was in raleigh this week so yeah. it was good i i think it the, the less the less prep the better Anyways. yeah i agree 
All right, so that, that'll wrap this episode up. Um, we did not talk about cars, so no. thanks for sticking with us. Um, again, this was, a, this was a fun episode. Talk all about our, our passion for uh, Cleveland sports. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at, at MatchWits. Again, I'll post that, the, the Freddie Kitchens video out there. It's, a, it's awesome uh, yeah, right when you watch it. And post the, the John Dorsey photo. And the John Dorsey photo. All right, I'll post them both out there to our Twitter. Uh, you can go to our website, matchwits.com. That's wits with two T's and an S. Um, and until next time, where we'll probably talk about cars. Maybe. Uh, go Browns, go Tribe. Go, go, Bra- go Browns. All right. Later, brother. See you, brother.